Hello, friends, and welcome to Season 7 of the Future Ready Librarians podcast series, Leading from the Library. This is a podcast for all librarians wherever you are in your journey. It is filled with amazing guests, important topics, and engaging conversations that will inspire, engage, and support all of us as Future Ready Librarians. I am your host, Shannon McClintock-Miller. I am the District Teacher Librarian at Van Meter Community School in Van Meter, Iowa, and serve as the Future Ready Librarian's Leader. I have the pleasure of working within my library and school community, and also with others around the country and world through Future Ready Librarian events, conferences, consulting, writing, and more. I am honored to bring these voices and the work of others to our podcast and to all of you. Well, today I am so excited to welcome my friend Ken to the show. And I don't know when we met, I was trying to think about this today, but it's been a while ago now. We met at a conference. I'm sure Ken will probably remember better than I do. The New Jersey conference. New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And we had been, I was a presenter and we were so excited to meet each other. And the cool thing about having Ken as a guest today is I'm sure that all of you have heard of Kiva Planks. And not only is Ken, does they do so many cool things with Kiva Planks and all of the ideas that you can use within your library, but also Ken is just a very good like thought leader when it comes to our kids and what we can do in libraries and in education and even in our homes with children. And so that was one reason too, that I was very excited when he said that he would be a guest on our podcast today. And so we're just going to start just so you guys, if you haven't met Ken before at a conference or something, you can know his background and get to know him a little bit. I'm just going to have you introduce yourself, Ken. Okay. Well, uh, I am a toy inventor. That's what I love doing the most. Uh, I founded the Keep It Planks uh, company years ago, uh, and I'm also a former veterinarian. Some people don't know that. Um, and uh, okay. so... Uh, eventually I found that, uh, a lot of people could be veterinarians, but nobody was doing what we were doing with plank, Kiva planks. So, uh, so I don't do veterinary work anymore. I'm full time with this. Um, and, uh, my favorite thing to do is think of ways to use Kiva planks to enhance people's lives, either at home with creativity fostering conversation between grandparents and grandchildren or people who are visiting the home and in schools, uh, finding ways to to help teachers make their subjects more hands-on, more physical. It's a a non-digital way to learn. And it's uh, so I really enjoy the challenge of taking almost any topic that a teacher or librarian may be wanting to teach and finding hands-on fun ways of doing that. So that's sort I of that's what I like to do. I know. I Recently, I wrote Ken and I had a question about a school that I do some work with in Long Island. They were getting, we were kind of brainstorming ideas for centers that they were using with different countries. And just the response of the ideas that you had 
on how to include, you know, buildings or history or, you know, anything we can to make like that learning come to life through innovation and creativity, I think is what we all want to do, right? It's like the Mm -hmm. goal that we have as librarians and educators, and it should be because these things, you know, that we watch being put into, I was just at AASL last week and so saw, you know, some cool makerspace and STEM things and, you know, seeing how people are using them, I think is just such an opportunity for us now as librarians. And that's why I appreciate everything that you've done. Well, thank you. So that's another thing that when I asked Ken what he wanted to speak about today, he had a lot of ideas. But the idea that I find that he landed on is just going to be so interesting to hear what our conversation will be is the loneliness epidemic and how our role as librarians that we have this unique opportunity to help children find friends. And so I can't wait to hear your thoughts and your work around this, Ken. I think that it will be something that will be valuable whatever age we work with um, Mm -hmm. with our kids in our libraries. Well, it's been interesting just uh, reading and hearing more about the loneliness epidemic. It seems to be coming up more and more. And it's uh, it was interesting, and then it seems to ring true also within what I'm observing with uh, with friends, friends' children, uh, relatives, where uh, I seem to be coming across a lot of people, uh, and the, the, they're saying the, the loneliest generation is Gen Z, uh, ages about 11 to 26, but those, those lonely people were in your libraries just a little while ago. Uh, and uh, either learning to make friends or not learning to do that and, or not being successful at that. And so uh, so anyway, the epidemic rings true to me for what I've seen. And, uh, and then thinking through the unique environment that school libraries have, that you have some things that are, are really tailor-made to help student, to help children learn how to make friends and successfully do that because uh, people kind of assume that you throw a bunch of people together and they're going to find each other and make friends. And, uh, and for some personality types and some people that happens, but there's a lot of people that never figure that out uh, depending on their personality. Uh, Making friends uh, can be a very scary thing uh, because you face rejection if you reach out and, and the other person doesn't respond. So. Well, and I think for like listeners, if they have never heard of the lonely loneliness epidemic, maybe just give like a little bit of background too. I find it so interesting that that's the age because I know a lot of kids too, like, you know, young adults where I can see that as well. Um, and you know, just how they have fostered like friendships or not friendships and maybe just give a little bit of background for people who want to know more about that. Well, a lot of the research, they, they, uh, often sound surprised that it wasn't older people. Uh, you often think of older people being isolated and nobody coming to visit them, but then, uh, it turned out that Gen Z was actually more lonely than they are. And Gen Z has all the electronics and 
all the social media connections, but they don't have real human friends within that. And um, so, um, so that's, that's one of the things that, um, that is being reported. Um, And, um, and for younger children, they are growing up in homes that are more likely to be single parent homes, uh, Mm -hmm. fewer children in the family, they go home and they're more likely to be in on electronics than going out and playing with neighborhood kids for whatever reason, either they don't want to, or their parents don't feel it's safe or whatever that is. Um, so, uh, so there's a lot of pressures in society that are pushing people to isolation as well. Uh, and then during COVID, it all got magnified. So everybody was suffering that every age. Uh, and so I think some of this is carryover from COVID where it it might have been hovering in the background and then COVID just made it so oppressively evident that there are people are so lonely. And some people, I think, have not pulled out of it. And some young children who were our children are always at a formative age for, for sort of the opportunity where they're learning to have social skills and things. And there's a whole generation of children who were very isolated when they could have been learning how to talk and interact with other children. And they're going to be moving right up through the system. And, uh, and it's not automatically instinctive for how to develop relationships and make friends, but it's a skill that can be taught and fostered. And, and adults are in the unique position, a librarian, to be, you're the person in authority, so you can decide what sort of activities are happening in the library. What are What do you want them to do? What's the prompt? You set the environment, you set the activity. The children are basically at the mercy of the adults who are deciding what's going to happen. You, you try to give them agency and decide, but ultimately the teacher librarian is basically in charge of what's going to happen in that library. So there's things you can do that will help can help them make those friends, or it can keep them in a state of isolation if they come in and they're doing all these isolated things. So I know that's one thing that I think about. Um, I was looking in our library now, I don't have a fixed library time in our library, but in our library, we have our um, STEAM teacher who's teaching, you know, the fixed classes and having the kids come in. And I love seeing them come in because of those interactions and the way that she has it set up and the opportunities for kids, you know, not only to be creative, but they're also learning things that might have to do with science, or maybe it's tying into social studies or whatever that might be. But the big thing is, is that collaboration and how they're creating together, I think is she's, she's done a great job. I'm proud of her because that's something that we can all capture through activities that we do in the library. Yeah. And, and boy, you said collaboration. That's the key that I like on the future ready librarians framework. That's just one of the slices, but that's the one that this fills so well. You have to have collaborative activities for them to potentially make a new friend, find a new friend or build some friendship or relationship that they already have. So, so that's the, that's the, the cog from the framework that, that is really interesting to me and all of the physical activities that you're doing with steam activities or stem activities that's 
that's really part of the core of the interaction. If you're if you've got students looking at the screen together or something like that, that's what they do all day with social media and everything. It's physical activity where you're actually doing things with your hands and your bodies and your brains and other people. That's the magic formula that you need in order to to break down those barriers for them to get used to talking to each other and being comfortable with that and sharing ideas. And so the things that you described are right on the road to uh, that's that's the key things to starting to to make the friendships. And then there's other little things that that person is very likely already doing, but but anyone can do that can maybe take it one step further that makes it just a little bit easier for students to to maybe get start to meet somebody and talk with them and discover this is a person that I never paid any attention to at the school or in my classroom before, but now I know them just a little bit and maybe they'll talk to each other outside of that activity. And that's what I'm hoping to foster with some of these ideas. Yeah, I think that's the neat thing about the, like I think about like the little cards, like that, you know, like we've used those a lot with the Kiva planks or, and we've put the kids together in groups and even tied in like, you know, reading or books or whatever it might be. I remember one time we did one and we got them into groups and they had to build a house for gingerbread man. And we read a book about gingerbread man and he like escaped from the school or something. And just seeing like, number one, how excited the kids are because they get to do something super fun, Mm -hmm. but then working together to, you know, make like that goal happen is something that is, you know, we can all do that. Those are opportunities that we can give them. And so that's why, you know, I love the things that you talk about, but also how other people like today, she had them using like the Bloxels game without like the iPad, like they were just like building, you know, with the pixels. And I was like, that's perfect. Like, you know, it doesn't always have to use, you know, that technology. Right. And just an activity like that, uh, one of the things that's really helpful is doing things that are very simple and um, intuitive so that anybody can do that, arranging the pixels, however they're doing that. So it's not intimidating. And so if you're working together with somebody else, especially if it's somebody that you never knew before, to do something where you both feel relatively competent and there you can't really do it wrong. So there's creativity and innovation going, but you're not intimidated. Your mind's in a relaxed state while you're doing this thing where you're you're not going to embarrass yourself arranging pixels or however you're doing that. And uh, one thing that um, uh, I've started to shift a little bit is that I, I often advocate for letting students have the agency of picking their group and how they might want to do that. But one of the things that you can do, I mean, you can do any variety of these things when you're doing activities, but if you sometimes assign them to a group, either randomly or strategically, if you thought of that ahead of time, then that's what allows them to maybe start to interact with somebody that they don't normally do. It's very fun. All of us prefer to work with our friends and and that's the easiest. As adults, that's what we would choose if given the option. But if someone tells us at a conference, you should sit at a table with people that you don't know, we do that because they tell us. But if they didn't tell us that, we'd go sit with the people we know. That yeah. Just humanly, that's what we do. So if the if the teacher librarian decides 
even though we've always done it this way before, today I've assigned you in groups and I want you three over here and you three over here. And then you mix things up and then you give them an activity like you just suggested. And and suddenly they're talking to somebody that they've never talked to before. I love that. I know I find that most teachers do, they do that. They pick their groups because they want them to be, you know, they, they want maybe maybe there's like a stronger personality or there's somebody that maybe is just extra kind to people that are new Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever it might be, I think is a really great thing. And that leads me also to just think about like what we can do as librarians to help our teachers with these concepts, like this, that doesn't have to happen just in the library that we have a great opportunity. And that's where collaboration comes in with us being, you know, that person, that instructional person that's also helping our teachers understand that. And when we started using technology and started like being really innovative at Van Meter, a big part of my job was just that, like coaching them, like it's okay for things to be crazy. It's Mm -hmm. okay for them to have choice. Like, these are good things for our kids and skills that are going to help them, you know, when they graduate from high school. And so that's been another thing that I think has been just so fun as a librarian is just helping our, our teachers in the classroom too. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot, a lot of libraries now have Kiva planks where they've gotten them for, to become more interactive. And if you can either, allow teachers to see how you're using them with some of the open-ended prompts like you were doing with building a house for a story and things like that. Uh, A lot of those things, if you're a busy person, you don't think of those things. Um, uh, You you think of building towers and and other things like that. But the idea that you could build a story with the blocks, that's something that librarians think about because you're into stories. And so, uh, so if a teacher is down and they observe some of that, then they can start to realize how easy that would be to do in their classroom. And a lot of libraries now have Kiva planks where they can uh, check them out so they can, they can take them to the room and, and do those things. So um, the, that's what we have. Yeah. And it's, it's something, one of the nice things about those activities is, is they're based on open-ended prompts, like, build build anything that represents the story that you just read. And that's that's all you need to do. So uh, contrary to technology where there's things to learn and a lot of teachers are intimidated by that, this is something where you say, you have to say, <laughs> say all you need to say is build something that represents the story that you just made. That's all you need to do. And everything else is open-ended for them to do. And so it's very easy to do, but very powerful for the students to respond to. And then they get to build it and talk about the process of building or explain how this relates to the story, whatever that is. But it's it's very easy to transfer some of those things that you know in your library to the to the teachers without a lot of training. I think it's neat too to think about, like I I think about these activities and what I've seen with, you know, different things that we're getting them, you know, excited and they're, they're being creative and they're collaborating. And then you think about how much more like their minds are open to learning and these bridges that are being created in the next experience that they do. And all kids need are a few opportunities like this 
to know that there's more, you know, coming. Like when I go into the classrooms now and everybody will say like, you have the best job in the building because you get to do the fun things. Right. I'm like, and it's not just about the fun things. It's about these skills that we're giving the kids and these opportunities and the teachers, you know, opening their minds to what learning can look like. And, and I think that is one of the things I love about librarians is that I think for the lifelong learners, for some of the most critical skills for happiness in life as they become adults and move through life, it's coming from the librarians who, from the libraries where they're not graded by these things. It's, that's where they have the freedom to be innovative, to make a mistake without getting a bad grade, to learn how to make a friend, uh, uh, to be creative, to learn how fun it is to be creative and why they should keep being creative even when they grow up. All of these things are really the core of what is really uh, makes life enjoyable to live. We want them to have a job and have a skill and a vocation, but these are the things that you wake up in the morning excited because you're going to do that. Hopefully they'll be excited about their career as well. But But the things that I just mentioned, those are things that make the library such an oasis to go to because everywhere else there's pressure and uh in the library there's not there's just a friendly librarian hoping you'll come and visit i love that i know and those are that's why we're just so lucky to have libraries and librarians and tools like what you have created that i think help it doesn't matter if you think you're like super creative or not. I always try to tell people, I'm like, number one, everybody has creative like things mm -hmm. that they do. And the thing though, that we can do, I think with something like Kiva planks is that there are so many different ways and open-ended ways to use them that it doesn't matter what you're teaching or what you're passionate about or what your topic might be. If you give it to kids and even just ask kids what they want to do, like everybody can be successful. Right. And that's what we we talk about trying to help scientific minded people to think more creatively and creative people to think more scientifically. Because anytime you go to build anything, if you're building that house that you were talking about earlier about the story, uh, you have to envision the story part of it. But you also have to do the engineering for how you can build that house. And that might be a really simple little house that really doesn't require too much thought. But you can also build very elaborate houses that take, with Kiva planks, you can build very, very complex things. So so everybody can build at their own skill level. And, and so you can have some very high level engineering going on, or you can just be designing a leaf for autumn season or whatever. And, and so both sides of the brain are important. And whatever you're going into, whether you're going to become an engineer or a writer or whatever that is, the process of thinking creatively and taking ideas that you have in your mind and making them happen, that's that's part of what we're trying to, to make second nature to them, just as they're, as they're thinking of ideas and then making them happen with Kiva Planks. I love that. I remember the first time I saw Kiva Planks and I was like, what a genius idea. Like, cause who doesn't like to build like, you know, but it's pretty cool. I know. And if people haven't seen Kiva Planks before, I also want you to mention like just where people can find it. And just like, 
you know, if there's a site they can go to or some of those things too, if, if people have never, or maybe they have Kiva planks, like I have found too, like I go into libraries and they might have gotten them from like maybe passed down or they came across them. And then I always talk about like all the ways you can use it. And they're like, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. And right. so I want you to mention that too. Sure. Uh, so kivaplanks.com, that's our main website. And and that's a conduit to a lot of our resources. Uh, if you go to our YouTube channel for Kiva Planks, we have a lot of tutorials on there. Some uh, people will just play that tutorial and then everybody sees the lesson uh, on how to build a bridge or a particular thing. It gives them ideas and then that's a springboard to, to other things. So there's a lot of things on YouTube and uh, Instagram shows, uh, shows, a is very good because it's so visual. You can just scan that and it's beautifully done. You can see lots of ideas and a lot of teachers share on Twitter or X for ideas. So you can see not only, uh, things, lesson ideas that we have, uh, created, but you can see a lot of things that other teachers are doing as well. Uh, and I have heard that the last conference we were at, that was our, one of our main takeaways that a lot of people have Kiva planks, but they have missed the fact that we have so many different resources that make it so you don't have to create the wheel. We've been doing this for 20 years. And every time I go to a conference and then somebody comes up and tells me, let me tell you what I've been doing. And then I say, that's a great idea. I'm going to add that to to yeah. our library of things to do. So there are just so many things you can do. And so lean on us. And if you can't find what you're looking for, send me an email, just like you sent, uh, sent me a few weeks ago. I love getting those and directing people to things we already have. And if we don't already have it, then that, that's what gets me charged up is thinking, hmm, I wonder how you could teach that with Keep Applying. So, uh, so I encourage people to check those things out and uh, don't work harder than you need to. Uh, I mean, I love it when you think of new things to do with them, but, <laughs> but we've done most of the work for you and we try to make it as easy as possible. Oh, let me show you something here. Uh, this is one thing. Uh, this is our uh, challenges. I guess it shows up backwards on there, but it, it's open-ended prompts. And this one card, this is enough to keep you busy for the, your entire teaching career. Because each one of these, you can you can alter, you can change. If, you, if we're talking about making a leaf, you can make a pumpkin, you can make Easter eggs, all these different varieties. You can do them with, with 20 planks, so you can do them with 2,000 planks. So there's so many different varieties of things that with this one set of prompts, that's really all you need to do need to have so you don't even though we have lesson plans the beauty of what we promote mostly is open-ended challenges so you don't have to prepare a lot of things and thinking you just have to decide uh today we're going to make a jack-o-lantern on the table and put a face on it uh or whatever that is um and so so this one of the most useful things and if you get your sets from us uh it comes with every set so and if you have if you already have Kiva planks, you can get those separately from us as well. So that's just one of the resources. And like I say, we try to make it as easy as possible. You guys do a great job. Well, thank you. And just to wrap up our conversation, I thought it was really interesting when I read this. I haven't even told you this yet. 
but there's something called a district-wide Kiva non-competition next week in Virginia. And I'm going to be in Virginia next week, believe it or not, for VitaLearn. Wow. <laughs> and, and so I was, I that really caught my eye. I was like, what, what is that? <laughs> Well, it's in Henrico County, which is near Richmond. And this is a school district that this is being driven by a principal who uh, who loves and understands Kiva planks. But uh, the concept was to bring the entire district together uh, on an evening from like five to seven. So it's a district wide event. People get bussed in from it and they've given a prompts ahead of time that you may be. So they hit form teams of four to five people and uh, kids, and then they have an adult coach in general that just kind of organizes things. And they tell them, you may be, the prompt may be this, or it might be that. It might be build, uh, make an animal either real or imagined, or it could be, so they don't know for sure what the prompt is going to be. And then when they arrive, they'll tell them this is the prompt. And then they have a half hour and a thousand Kiva planks to build whatever they want. And uh, we call it a non-competition because we loosely evaluate them, but it does not feel competitive in any way. The whole idea is the innovation and the creativity. And so, uh, uh, and we have some speed building contests and things like that. How high can you, can you build in one minute? But uh, we did this last year and there were so many stories of of teachers telling us that they had students who were struggling, suicidal students, students oh. who speak uh, uh, English as their second language. And for the first time, they felt like they were part of a team and they could do this because so many of the competitions are for really the, the high driving, uh, high level people. And for people who are very creative and can build cool stuff, we don't really have a place for them to shine. Um, and even if you're not a great builder, it's not, we're not grading you or anything. We want you to get together and learn to build with, with your little team. And so the things that had happened before that night, as these, as these groups of four to five kids would get together and start to feel successful, I can do this and I can't wait to go there and see what happens. So, uh, it was just delightful last year. One of the highlights of our uh, just uh, being in the uh, block business. And so we were delighted that they're they're doing it again. And um, and there's just so much energy. If you've ever been to a, a DEI competition or a, uh, That's what I Lego League, that sort of thing, it has that kind of excitement, but there's no stress because we're just barely evaluating them. Mostly we're going around and admiring what everybody builds. That's sort of what the whole the, the feel is. So uh, so we're excited that's coming up next week. So if you can come, that would be fantastic. I can give you more <laughs> details on that. I saw that and I was like, oh, that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> well, you got to make sure that you share that because that is really cool. But I love everything that you do, my friend. And every time I talk, you share another idea that, it's, you know, just so excited. And I want to go back and, and do it in my library. So I know that the people who are listening are going to be inspired by this too. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you joined me today. Well, thank you. I feel the same way every time I'm in one of your sessions. So, uh, so uh, it's Thanks. been a delight to be here. Yes. And I hope I see you really soon. So thank you so right. much. You're welcome. 
As always, thank you to all of our listeners for joining us for this episode of the Future Ready Librarian podcast series, Leading from the Library. And a very special thank you to our sponsors, Follett. You make a difference in our libraries, schools, and within our lives and that of our students every day. We appreciate everything you do. I hope you can take what you learned in today's podcast and put it to use within your practice as a future ready librarian. If I can support you in any way, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at Shannon M. Miller or to my email at ShannonMcClintockMiller at gmail.com. I am always happy to help. Until next time, friends, keep finding ways to lead within and from your library.